You've heard dog stories before. I have another one for you. When I first got married, I married into having a stepdog. Um, his name was Houston, and I knew that when I married Brian, I was also marrying, having a Labrador retriever for the rest of my life. Um, they've changed over the years. The one we have is slightly defective. He doesn't like water, um, and Labradors were bred to like water, but the other ones we had were more normal. And um, we've taken them, all, of, all three, through the years to the farm where my mom grew up and where they live part of the year. And there's a pond on the farm. And so usually when we go, we like to get outside and walk. And so we'll walk along the upper part of the farm, and then we'll come around the woods, and then we'll go through this other field, and then we crest this hill. And and that's where we, of course, because we're taller, can first see the, the pond. And then we know that the dogs will, two of the dogs, will take off down the hill towards the pond. Um, one of our dogs, at least, that I remember, would jump into water and walk out until he was up to his haunches and then just start slurping, <laughs> drinking the water in the pond. Now, the reason I want to bring that before us today is I want that image to be there for us as we think about immersing ourselves in the, ourselves in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just like the dog immersed himself into the water and we, we immerse ourselves into the spirit and then we drink of that same spirit. And that's, that's Paul's verse here, 13. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. And Paul, in this passage, is trying to help us understand what happens when we get immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Baptists have a history with drinking spirits. A bunch of us fought for for prohibition. I learned in some of my church research that one of our earliest pastors at Calvary Baptist spoke out strongly against drinking alcohol. He was very against it, and you heard about it if you were one who imbibed. Well, I think, I, I hope that he preached as strongly in favor of drinking of the one spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. The idea of drinking of the Holy Spirit the one spirit, is part of our Baptist heritage of which we can be very proud. Historian Leon Macbeth informs us that Baptists accepted the personality and deity of the Holy Spirit and defined his work from a biblical perspective in such areas as inspiration, comfort, and illumination of Scripture. Still today, true Baptists trust the Holy Spirit to inspire, to comfort, to illuminate our understanding of Scripture. And we trust the same Spirit to guide other people's understanding of Scripture, even when it differs from our own. There is great freedom in that, and that's a part of being Baptist that I drink with gusto. The Spirit is active and alive within each child of God. 
Yesterday, perhaps you heard a survivor was pulled out of the rubble in Haiti 11 days after the earthquake. People were surprised, shocked. Obviously, it made world news. I don't know how he survived for 11 days, assuming he had no food and water, because normally the body can't last that long. We can last for a while without the sense of the Holy Spirit's presence. But when our spirits, our spirits, take in that presence of the Holy Spirit, like a partly immersed dog drinking water in a pond, we find surprising refreshment and renewal. All of us have been a part of hierarchical bodies. Companies have presidents or other organizations have officers or boards. Each of these will act as the head of the group directing its activities. Everybody else is lower on the organizational chart and responds to what the head says. That same image of the body has been used for years, even before Paul was writing, to remind people that the ones who are lower down need to pay attention to what the head says. It was actually used for oppressive purposes to subjugate those people and keep them in their place. And sometimes we resist this. Someone's Aunt Maud was a secretary at the Board of Trade in Chicago, and her boss each day would send her out without fail about noon to this deluxe delicatessen, delicatessen down the block to order him a turkey club sandwich and a container of nonfat milk. Well, after her first year on the job, Maud took to making the club sandwich at home and bringing a container of milk to the office, and she cleared five bucks a day on the transaction. (laughs) Bosses are used to ordering around those underneath, but sometimes they're removed from what really happens. Paul says the body of Christ is different. And when he says the body of Christ, he means us. He means the church, the people who gather as a group to worship and serve God together. There is no hierarchy of importance here. Everyone is equally important and necessary to the health of the body. People who are committee chairs are no more important than the person who has never been asked to serve on a committee. Someone who has been to this church for decades is no more important than the person who joined the church last year. The church is like a sports team that has to work together if it's going to win. I know a lot of you all are sports fans. So you understand what it means to be a team and to have to work as a team. That's the only way you can win the game. Jenny Thompson is an Olympic swimmer. Was She received 12 medals in all. Eight of them were gold. She's won more medals in swimming than any other Olympic athlete of any nation as, as far as females go. But she didn't win any of her gold medals in individual events. She won them 
on a team with three other swimmers. And so some people, as a result, have questioned whether her accomplishments ought to rank her with the great Olympic champions. And she asks the question herself. She said, it's got to be very different to experience an individual gold versus a team gold. And ice skating champion Bonnie Blair once said, I wish she could feel what it's like for an individual gold to witness it by herself and not just as part of a team. John Mutchler said he finds Jenny's accomplishments in the ego-driven U.S. culture refreshing. With ball players moving from team to team and demonstrating little team loyalty, Jenny is a great example of a person whose genuine success came in the context of team play. And here's our image of the church then as well. Our true stardom occurs when we participate as part of a winning team. On God's team, there's no room for superstars or mega celebrities who do it all on their own. We're all important in the body of Christ. Can you imagine how grotesque the body would look if it were all ears or if it were all hands, or if it were all noses, yuck. It's not a pretty picture. Here's again what Paul writes. The body doesn't consist of one member, but of many. If the foot were to say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. If the ear were to say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, That wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? It's really a humorous picture that Paul presents to us of what happens when a foot or an ear secedes from its place of service to the body. It's less humorous when it actually happens in a church, like when someone is offended and secedes from a place of service out of spite. The body is then no longer whole and healthy, even lacking one person. Now, broad in this picture from our small body of Christ to the larger body of Christ around the world, the whole entire church. Just like our church has special gifts that it offers to the community, so do other churches. Calvary will not appeal to every person, but other churches have places for them. So to, but together... As each church acts as a body part of Christ, urban or rural, large or small, conservative or progressive, we all have a part in spreading the good news of Christ in the world. This June marks the 100th anniversary of the 1910 World Missionary Conference in Edinburgh, Scotland. For two years, from 1908 to 1910, 20 people on several different topics researched those topics. And they were all surrounding mission, 
What does it mean to be mission or to be on mission for Christ? One of them, for example, was carrying the gospel to all the non-Christian world. And another one that was presented was the preparation of missionaries. So these reports were done and then sent out ahead of time and then discussed and approved when everybody gathered in Scotland in 1910, that June. Perhaps the most important report received was that called Cooperation, the Cooperation and the Promotion of Unity. The Cooperation and the Promotion of Unity. The Edinburgh Conferences considered the beginning of the ecumenical movement, a movement to recognize that we Christians differ, but we see, too, that because of our differences, because of our differences, we can accomplish more for the cause of Christ. This coming June, if you haven't made your travel plans yet, there's a centenary celebration in Edinburgh to continue the celebration, but also to look ahead and see what churches can do now to spread the cause of Christ in this coming century. Depending on each other is key, which means that the Edinburgh Conference is important on the large church scale, but it's equally and perhaps more important in our little congregation to depend on each other. One man said to his friend, my wife talks to herself a lot. And the other responded, mine does too, only she doesn't know it. She thinks I'm listening. Talking and listening to each other is what was done at the conference in 1910. It's what we seek to do as well as a congregation during our Dessert First Fellowship, during our mission lunches, within our small groups, and even in committee meetings. These are important for building and strengthening our community, learning about each other's gifts, and finding ways to share them. Now, I made a mistake this morning. Well, only one I'm going to tell you about. (laughs) When um, Paula came out to me right before worship, she said, I asked Brian about why he put the microphone up there, and he said you were doing the children's sermon, but I'm supposed to do the children's sermon. And I said, oh, well. And so we debated, okay, who's going to do it? And finally I said, I'd do it. And I realized after I had done that 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 was selfish of me, that I should have, I, I had, you know, done my little rainbow thing, and I really wanted to make that happen and wanted the kids to see that. But um, it would have been smarter for me to let Paula have her voice during the worship service and to back mine out. You hear, what's that? I just want, yeah, I just want Paula to owe me something. But, but both, she was, she was on schedule for today and the person who thought she was on schedule today called me and said, would you do it? And so that's, that's where the confusion came in. But what I'm doing is I'm, I'm resisting the movement of the spirit when I want to be up front, when I want to um, do my thing because I had spent some work on it. So I apologize, Paula. Um, but that's, that's, what, that's what we do. You know, we mess up sometimes. And in the best, so as far as I know, the best we can do is apologize and move on and try to do better next time. Um, 
we assume too often that we, we know each other's wants and needs. And when we assume that our gifts are more or less needed than someone else's, then that reduces the power of the body of Christ. When we know each other through talking, through listening, through conversation, when we learn to trust each other, then we can really start depending on each other to be the body of Christ. And then social class doesn't matter anymore like it did in the Corinthian church. And hierarchy, who has a more important spiritual gift, doesn't matter anymore like it did in the Corinthian church. And we can all just be one. We can all just be unified and share our gifts that differ. And then we become better and better. If you didn't get one last week, there are um, these spiritual gift assessments. They're on the front pew. Yeah, they're on at least that one, that front pew. Do you see them, Michael? They're, okay, they're on this one too. I didn't see any in the foyer. Um, but if you want one, pick one up, and it'll tell you a little bit about who you are if you didn't know, a little bit about what your gifts are, and then it might give you some insight into how you can participate more in the body of Christ at Calvary Baptist. In the earliest days of this church, when money was tight, one charter member used his gift of generosity to, um, to pay the pastor's salary until the congregation could get on more solid footing. That's just an example. Sharing your spiritual gift of teaching, of administration, of leadership, of helping. Um, I can't remember how many it lists, about 17, I think, in, in this assessment. It'll help you know what you can do and what you shouldn't do. If somebody asks you to do something that is not within your um, realm of gifts, then, then you are free to say no because that means that somebody else can do that. And that's good. It's good. We, we are here to share. Not long after I came to be the associate pastor at Calvary, a Sunday school class invited my sweetheart and me to join them for a brunch honoring their retiring teacher. Brian and I were both surprised when we arrived and our server asked for our drink choice, orange juice or a mimosa. And a mimosa is orange juice with champagne. And I thought, is this a Baptist Sunday school class? And I thought, is this a trick question? Is this a test? But that was the day that I learned that drinking spirits was acceptable by Calvary Baptist Church. But more important than the spirits in the glass was the spirit of laughter and pleasure and joy that I heard as these Sunday school members sat around the table and laughed and talked and had a great time and celebrated life and celebrated life in Christ. The Holy Spirit was present, inspiring and illuminating the joys of life together as the body of Christ. And I, I like this image too, and I hope that we can pursue it so that the same Spirit will continue to guide us where we are today in powerful and meaningful and joyful ways. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for all the joy and all the gifts that you give us. Help us to be faithful to you in using them. In the name of Christ, amen.